Welcome to our first Teacher Tree edition of the Canvas Casters podcast, where Canvas Pandas talk shop from a classroom perspective and provide some grab and go ideas for listeners to take into their own classrooms. In this episode, Eddie and I chat with Amanda Kitchell, an English teacher at Twin Lakes High School, and Amanda Wilkerson, a computer science and programming instructor at Central Nine. When you hear how these two teachers are leveraging Canvas to create authentic, future-ready learning experiences for their students, you are going to be blown away. So without further ado, here comes episode 10, a teacher tree edition with not just one, but two amazing Amandas. So I'm here with one of our outstanding high school teachers here at Central Nine Career Center, Amanda Wilkerson. Now, Amanda and I met about a year and a half ago as I was hired on at C9. And at the time, she was a coordinator of technology, technology coordinator. And the first thing I remember is walking in to the technology office and seeing this gigantic whiteboard filled with what she would call unicorns. <laughs> right, Amanda? Yes. <laughs> and uh, this just gigantic wall of all these ideas and thoughts she had for ways we were going to use technology and, and how it fits and all of the great wonderful ideas that she had basically built into her brain. And and I think when I started, it was like we'd kind of found like our people, you know, it's like, oh, I did, let's do this and let's do that. And then I remember right in the corner of the whiteboard, there was a note that said LMS. Then there was a list of vendors. And I, I paused and I said, now, wait a minute. Do you really think that that there's a fit for a full-blown, you know, vendor-supported LMS at a career in tech ed level. And do you remember what you said to me? I'm sure I said yes. I don't remember exactly <laughs> what I said, but I'm sure I said, of course, of course there is. We need it, and we must figure out which one we're going to choose. Unlike a traditional K-12 instance, we have a lot of lab time and a lot of time where kids are working with their hands and, and doing skills-based learning. And I was just I, I was just curious about this whole uh, thought and idea about what that meant. So you had a vision for that, like very early on. And I, that's why I'm so excited to have you on as like not only the person that was coordinating our technology at a, at a district level for us at Central Nine, but also now as a classroom teacher. What sorts of things very early on, what are the thoughts that you had very early on about how you felt an LMS could change the way we were currently doing things before I even started here at Central Nine? Well, the big part of it being you know, lab heavy, like you said, was that that's where we should be focusing most of our, our energy and so um, the LMS, in my mind, was going to take some of that paperwork duty and some of that delivery of the pure content, maybe the vocab words, maybe the um, standard information that you're going to push out to students, the safety guidelines, all of the things that you're going to hand students and allow it to go through a more streamlined process so that we could focus more on the lab activities and be out and doing the hands-on pieces, which is ultimately why students come here. So I was wanting to find a more unified way to deliver that because everyone has their own sort of take on how that goes. And I think as a school, we need to unify how we deliver. And that was the way I wanted to do it. The design piece, I know that we've talked a lot about design just sitting around like what that looks like and the flow and things like that. How do you approach that design piece as far as the things that you're trying to add for students that kind of reach those goals? Well, I make sure that, you know, it allows me to put sort of my weekly thoughts. So for my class, they see things in a week view. So they have a more autonomous 
way of completing their assignments throughout the week. And so they're able to log in, see what they need to get accomplished, find out what's on their checklist, so to speak, um, what other announcements, everything can all be in one place. So that's where I put all of that residual information you might have on the board, you might have in a worksheet and put it all into my Canvas pages for the week so they can always go back and reference it so that when they're out in the other softwares that we're using, they can always go back and find sort of that repository of data that they need to know, what do I need to turn in this week? What am I supposed to be learning? How am I supposed to go about doing that, et cetera? Amanda is part of our, our Panda pilot program. She transitioned out of the leadership role in technology to being a classroom teacher and a teacher leader uh, in our building. How important is it for you to kind of share that knowledge with other teachers in our building? And, and what are some of the things that you see as most challenging for them when they're trying to wrap their minds around using an LMS for the first time? I think it's big and scary at first, right? <laughs> and so they think it's going to be all of this work to put everything that I've ever done in the past five, 10 years, all at one time into this place and organize it and all the decisions you have to make. And really, it doesn't have to be that at all. So being as um, just a second year in the classroom teacher and, and Canvas being relatively new for us, I've sort of built as I've gone. But I was okay with that because I already had the mindset that I knew it was going to be important. And I knew that if you build it, they will come, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I just build it out the week that I'm in at a time. So right before the week or the month, you know, however you're planning, as I'm planning, as I would on paper, I just put it into Canvas the exact same way. And so that's scary for folks. And I think the hurdle of thinking you have to do everything right now, you don't. You can do it week by week by week. So now at the end of this semester, I have a semester's worth of stuff completed. So next year, first semester, it's a uh, sit back and relax, right? <laughs> no, there will right. be other things that I'm going to be doing, but that won't be one of them. Right. So I can kind of check that off my list and I can go back in now and make some changes and tweaks and add things that I want to add and adjust and not have to be starting from scratch. So you got to start somewhere. That's the biggest thing to convince folks is if you just get started, it will it will start to build and it will get there. There are a number of folks that tend to not go what they would consider. I, I don't consider it this, but there might be people out there that consider going from, you know, director of technology or technology coordinator role into the classroom as kind of a step back. Um, but you chose to do that. Can you talk a little bit about like personally what your reasons were about getting, because it is computer science, it's still technology it's related, still tech, yeah. but what, where was your mind at when you decided um, I'm going to step away from the role that I had here for a little while and become a classroom teacher? What was your thought process with that? Well, it's always sort of been in the back of my mind because I've always had either an intern or students around me working in a school and being the school tech director, there's always students who are interested in what's going on in, in the tech office. It's this like Oz place, you know? <laughs> and so, um, but in working with those students, I just, I really felt like I could reach them more directly and be more innovative with them if I had some control of the reins of the curriculum they were getting. So I could always suggest or I could always um, go down the road of saying, here's what I think. But ultimately, it is up to the classroom teacher and you have to respect that boundary. So by being that person, I was able to kind of bridge both of those worlds and be able to be 
innovative and try new things that selfishly I don't have to convince anyone now. I just say, hey, I want to try this, and then I do it. Right. Yeah, kids are easily convinced. (laughs) Right, exactly. And I don't have to go and plead my case to the classroom teacher to say, please try this. It will be fantastic, and it's okay if you fail. Um, And many teachers out there do try and fail and they're okay with that that's how you learn um but i don't have to have that extra step now i can just be the one who's saying okay we'll try this and right and make that uh, environment that my students are okay with and they've learned to be okay with mrs wilkerson throwing (laughs) something out on a whim like let's try this and it works or it doesn't but i think that helps them learn how to fail too i think there are a lot of teachers out there that probably need to hear that that it, that there is a there is a space uh, where failure is okay and I think the teachers that really thrive in classes like computer science and technology is that they do kind of foster this okay to fail type classroom where we're going to try these things if it works out great if it doesn't not a not a huge deal we can try something else i know that i was like that when i taught and for those of you that don't know amanda wilkerson she has transitioned very nicely into the classroom as a fantastic <laughs> teacher um, in her canvas class i use it as a model for our pandas and it is something that definitely shows that she's taken some time and effort and care she's very intentional about that um, i know we talk a lot on the podcast about teacher leadership and educational technology ultimately how all of that happens beautifully within uh, canvas but as a cte teacher in computer science, what other details do you think you could provide that cause your online environment to stand out? What do you think it is about your class that makes it different from maybe somebody that's just going on there and putting PDFs or worksheets? Well, I do try to keep it simple because I think for the sake of the students to always know what they're looking for, even as much as I do with it, I keep it simple. So simple, repetitive, and in a structure. So if I have everything by the week, So every week, you know what you're looking at. So you have either by topic or by day. And, you know, I've worked out what works better. I think for me, by topic, topic works better. But I've noticed that for students, by the day works better. So I've morphed to make mine um, by the day for them. They want to see on Monday, what are we doing? On Tuesday, they like that regimen. But it looks the same all the time. So they know where to go, and it's familiar. And I try not to overcomplicate it. So... I make sure that everything, like I make pages that are kind of living, breathing documents as we go through what we're working on, as opposed to finding a worksheet or something that's out there that I just upload the PDF. And then I ask students to put their take on what it would be. So instead of filling out the worksheet, think about these problems and tell me your thoughts so that they're able to more than just checking off the boxes because I think they get too caught up into that. So I try to keep it simple, structured, and allow them to give me more than just filling in blanks because that allows them to sort of reach outside of their typical answers and their yes, no, true, false way they want. They want right. to give me those yeah. answers, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It forces them to chat back with me because a lot of what they do is on the computer. That is our lab. And mm-hmm. so they're in there on the computer. They're doing their work on the computer. They need to have a way to conversate too. For our listeners out there, you're very familiar with the big three and we're changing the name of the big three. It's been workshopped over multiple episodes. Uh, I think we've landed on something that we like a little bit more, but we're going to call it our canvas backpack. So we want you to tell our listeners, Amanda, what are some of the three of your most favorite elements inside canvas features 
pictures, tips, tricks, anything that you can think of that everyone out there would love. Uh, and it can be simple as well, like the things that you use every day. Well, keeping with that same <laughs> simple theme, I like pages and some graphics on the pages. So I went out and created some of my own um, themed graphics for my classroom. And I use that on every single page. So they know what the header looks like. They know what the section headers look like. There's the climb, it's kind of a mountainy type theme. So the climb is where they're gonna get all the bits and pieces of what they need. The reflection has its own graphics. So everything is, um, graphical it makes them a little more interested than all the text they're going to get on the pages but pages is a big thing that i use and then of course assignments so attaching um, their actual work and what to do for this what you're deliverable for this assignment in assignments but that too also has the graphics that match so the fact that you can add in graphics from outside you create pages for all the information of content delivery and then assignments so that you can have some back and forth with the students um, you know there are a lot of things you can do with canvas um, but being this year and last year being my first years I focused on a lot of building up so I'm really right. keeping it basic with that right yeah now. and you're building curriculum too right, right? The, this right. program is kind of um, starting from the ground up and, and reworking right. a lot of stuff and um, I can't wait to see where it goes Amanda thank you so much for being on the podcast You're welcome. Thanks it for was me. it was so cool I, I mean, a lot of you probably don't know but Amanda was like the one of the first people I sat down with and talked to when I started at C9 which got me so excited about career in ed tech and kind of the possibilities of, of what teacher leadership can be in this role so again thank you so much thank you. appreciate it I'm here with our outstanding high school teacher, Amanda Kitchell. Amanda teaches English, so we're immediately the best of friends. Uh, Amanda, tell me about your educational journey that brought you here to Twin Lakes High School. Well, Marcus, I actually had a business degree uh, when you're supposed to first get your college degrees in my, in my 20s, but I always wanted to teach. I wasn't able to teach because they had, um, at that time, and even now, uh, you know, you had to be in the schools, and so you had, had to pretty much not work or work in the evenings, and I wasn't able to do that. So I went ahead and, and got finished my business degree and uh, moved down here when I got married and had a few kids. I stayed home with my kids, and it was during that time that I decided I really wanted to go back to school and recognize my dream of becoming a teacher. And so luckily my husband was on board and I went back and got my teaching degree in English. So the reason I am at Twin Lakes is first of all, I really liked Twin Lakes. I like the block scheduling that the high school does. And then also my own children go to Pioneer and I was not interested in being in the same school district right, right. as them um, just because I really wanted to be a parent there mm -hmm. and a teacher here. So that's yes. how I ended up here. Yeah. Uh, the block schedule here is, I don't know how anybody teaches without block schedule at the high I school know. level. And, and I, I mean, a lot of us did. I did. I just don't remember how I got anything accomplished. I know. So I love, I love the, um, the block schedule, you know, and in, in language and in literature and so forth, I thought it was amazingly helpful. And then I don't even think we benefit the most from right. the block schedule. When you talk to your science teachers with labs, mm -hmm. when you talk to your uh, career and technical ed folks, when you talk to your culinary, it's like, 
oh, yeah. you can do an entire lab in a class period. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and for English teachers or our core class teachers as well, there's so many skills that we have to teach the kids nowadays. And there's uh, so many different levels of learning, right? Mm-hmm. Not just with the inclusion, but just the way kids are different nowadays. Right. And so you can deliver a lesson, right, in 45 minutes and, and still have that time to work one-on-one with kids right. um, or do some enrichment projects right in real time when you're giving that lesson. Anytime any, I hear that people aren't on a block schedule in a secondary setting, I'm like, oh man, yeah. you got to you gotta talk to somebody <laughs> <laughs> because I, I love it too. Uh, and so that's, that's exciting. And I also can relate to the working in one place and having your kids elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely get the, the benefit of that as well. As you know, the, the podcast is focused on teacher leadership, educational technology, and ultimately how all of that happens beautifully within Canvas. So as a high school English teacher, how often do you use Canvas? I, I use Canvas all the time. That is my number one platform. Um, and my kids know within the first day that I see them, that will be the interface that we use. Um, I was fortunate enough since I went back to college later on in life, I used it at college. Um, well, I used Blackboard as well. I thought mm-hmm. Blackboard was a, a little bit clunkier. Right. I liked I liked Canvas and the way it worked. So I was very familiar as a student with right, Canvas right. and the benefits with that. So I knew as soon as I saw that Twin Lakes had it, that was something that I was gonna implement in my room. So yeah, I use it all the time. I do very, very little paper. And right. now, of course, if I have a student that doesn't have Wi-Fi access, or I still have that occasional student that wants a paper copy, that's no problem. Sure. Right? And I can print that out for them. But for the most part, all of their organizational everything is on Canvas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a that's a unique perspective that you have where you, you know, you saw Canvas from the student perspective yeah. firsthand and then the roles were reversed yeah. when you yeah. when you became a teacher and now you're like oh I know how this should look I know how this should work yeah. um, from both sides of the coin um, that's really cool that gives you a, a huge advantage um, in, in really understanding what works what doesn't for the learning yeah. within that platform uh, but then also uh, I think makes you more compassionate you know and understanding this will help. That will help. Yeah. If I put it, if I put the content in this way, it will be easier for them to use. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, embedding content in Canvas as opposed to linking outside, yeah. um, because oftentimes, if that's done incorrectly, you end up covering up the Canvas page with the new thing, right. and kids get lost and have to backtrack. Yeah. Um, so that's really awesome that you have that that insight and that perspective. I had um, a similar metamorphosis, if you will, just in that this is the only learning management system I've ever used um, as a teacher. And so I used Canvas for years, seven or eight years, and then I ceased using it as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And then I got shifted into the backside of things. And so then it was like, oh, 
That's how that works. And so now it's kind of like, you use the, the old cliche, seeing how the sausage is made. Yeah. Uh, I, I see Canvas from the other side and the other perspective. Um, but I, I dig that, that you have that experience because I think that has got to help in how you design and how you assign content. Of course, it is the LMS that we use in our district. Um, but as we all know, everybody has their own level of comfort or lack thereof um, with that. Um, what do you think, you know, like think of your typical student in one of your classes. Um, what do you think they think about Canvas? What do you... How do they view the content they get there, uh, maybe just in your class? Well, actually, it's interesting because I find every year the kids come with um, a better a better idea of how technology works and not their own personal technology, right? This is very different. Right. Academic technology is a lot different than their phones. Preach. And, um, <laughs> and you know, it is a struggle and it's been a struggle for the first couple of years, but I have found that every year the kids get better. And I think that's probably because we are implementing technology younger now mm-hmm. and it's becoming more consistent with teachers as well. Right. Um, you know, you used to just have some teachers that used it or just used one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I think you're starting to see teachers start to implement it more. Um, but that being said, kids have actually talked to me in class because, I, you know, I, I learn from my kids all the time. I'm new. And um, they have actually told me that they really love that all they have to bring to my class is their Chromebook or their device, whatever right. they happen to be on at the time. Yep. And I found for my students that have organizational issues Um, It's really pretty perfect, Mm -hmm. right? As long as they take that Chromebook home, they have everything they need. Um, We do give books, you know, actual books to the students. But I have also found, you know, there's always PDFs Mm -hmm. online for most of what we teach. And so I will download those files, audio files, things like that for my kids that have difficulty with their comprehension. And so I think the trick is in the beginning, we spend a lot of time at the beginning of the year so that they can figure out where those files are and how they can access them. Once they get it, they love it. Right. They love it. It's just much, much easier for them. You right. Know, we don't have a binder. We don't have this. We, we don't have to bring this. We just have to make sure we have our device and we have it charged. Charged, right. That's <laughs> yeah. the big one. That's the big one. <laughs> and I'm glad that you have seen examples of that. And I also, it does my heart good to hear you talk about how you spend a lot of time at the beginning of the year assisting and guiding the students on here's where you're going to go for this. I have put this content here um, because I think that that's the, the forgotten thing. Um, when, when we talk about technology in the classroom, um, and in this case with Canvas, it, I, I think that it's, it's, a, it's not going to improve unless we take time to, to guide them with it. Because as you said, and I was holding back from just jumping all over that comment about the personal technology versus the academic, because you're right. We're not talking about how to make your Snapchat look cool. We're not talking about your Insta story. (laughs) Um, That's, (laughs) they got that figured out. Um, But it's, it's the academic technology. It's the application of, you know, G suite. It's using these things, understanding how to use the device that they're given. Um, that I think a lot of times we take for granted that they can do that because they can do the other. Yeah. And so when you talk about using time 
uh, early in the year with high school students, which I think a lot of people would take for granted that they just automatically know. Yeah. Um, but you take time, you dedicate that time, you uh, allocate time to, to say, here's how we're going to function in this space. Um, at the beginning of the year, that preps them yeah. so that they're comfortable. Um, I think that's super important. Um, and again, and it refers back to what you talked about. You were using Canvas and Blackboard as a student. Well, your kids are awful close to being in that same realm where they're going to go on to um, some level of education after high school. And in almost every case, they're going to deal with some kind of learning management system. Oh, yeah. Whether it's, you know, a vocational, whether it's two-year, whether it's a full-blown four-year program, they're going to have those. Um, So I, I, I agree with you. I think it's great. And I think that you seeing trends of improvement uh, is great um, because that's part of what I do. (laughs) So, Hey, um, but, but also though, I think it makes a larger point, uh, that it's a process Yeah, and it, it takes time. And I think that again, lots of people forget that you can't just start using technology and ta-da, the magic wand makes it all happen. Um, it is a process. So I, I, it's good to hear that at the high school you're seeing sort of incremental improvement in their digital literacy, Yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And when I'm teaching a lot of times, well, I'll always plug in my own device, you know, to to the actual TV screen and, and model that for them too. It's just as important to model, right, the tools that they have to use. And I always tell them, hey, look, you're learning two things today. You're learning the content that I want you to learn, but you also have to master, right, the platform that I've decided right. to deliver it in. Yep. And and so that helps too, just That's to huge. show them, right, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. And within a couple of weeks, they're, they're really very good at it because mm-hmm. they have been raised with it. They just have to understand it's a little bit different. Sure. So. Yeah. I, yeah, that's awesome. And in one of our uh, previous episodes, um, one of our guests, uh, Paul Towers, talked about um, one of his big, one of his, uh, the, one of the items in his canvas backpack, if you will, was doing actual, some presenting of content within canvas, using it as the delivery method, um, which is something that I personally had not thought about, but it relates to that. Like, let's model. Um, here's the click by click yeah. of how to do some things here within the LMS. Um, but it reminded me of that conversation we had with him. One last thing, and, and we, this is sort of a, a built in part of the, the show with everybody we talked to. Um, we used to call it the big three. <laughs> we decided that that was not good enough. Uh, so we've been brainstorming. So let this be the first episode where we release the new name of the big three. Uh, and so the featured segment on the show is no longer the big three. It is now what's in your canvas backpack. And, and what we mean by that is what are the three uh, most uh, your most favorite elements, features, tips, or tricks uh, that that you think everyone should love and be using in Canvas. Uh, things that you use on a regular basis doesn't have to be some big secret. It's just what are your go tos within Canvas. So. Amanda, what's in your Canvas backpack? <laughs> All right. Well, the the very first thing I think that you have to implement is the inbox, and you have to show students how to get a hold of you, right? Um, my kids both swim, and so they're part of the USA Swimming. They're gone. We are gone, right, mm-hmm. on the weekends, and it's incredibly important to me that I am accessible to my students after hours. It just, it, I, I don't think 
nowadays that you can allow not to be. Um, and so I don't like my, my, my student emails coming into my regular school emails um, because I'll get distracted. So I need to decide, you know, okay, I'm going to deal with student stuff right now. And so I absolutely make sure that they understand that inbox and, and that they know that they can get a hold of me at any time. Um, and then the second thing that I use, and I just started using it this year, and I absolutely love it, are the modules. And the reason I love the modules so much is because you can embed everything right there. And so for me on a block schedule, it's beautiful. I can just arrange each module by date. So you can go ahead and do your red days, you know, and then you can also, if you're doing the settings and the importing canvas material, mm -hmm. you duplicate it and you change the dates. Right. So right now I am using it for my critical thinking class, which is a semester course. It's a senior course. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of different stuff that a lot of different um, methods, right, of content that we use. And I can embed my PowerPoint for the day, a video. Um, if I want that video to be part of Studio Canvas and right. you know have some feedback on that. Um, the discussion boards, everything can be right there. And what I love about it so much is, especially with seniors, if they're absent, they don't miss everything. Right. And they don't have to look in five different places, right? Which is what I used to have to have them do. Right. Yep. To understand where everything is. It's right there. As long as they know what day it is, <laughs> they can find, right, the assignment for the day and do hey, it. Hey, it could be touch and go sometimes. And I know. And sometimes it is. And I'm thinking, too, wow, for e-learning, how wonderful yes. is this going to be? Yes. Because no longer do I have to give them, you know, a five-page uh, directions mm -hmm. of what I want them to do. And then you need to go to this assignment. It can all be in that one module. Yes. And you can set that um, for your homepage. So as soon as they get on, that's what they see. And yep. they know they're working through those modules step by step by step. Right. And that's actually something that I got from being a college student mm -hmm. because I took several online courses and one of them impl implemented those modules and that's how we did the course. Yeah. And it was it was lovely and I thought I'm going to learn how to do that. So yes. I finally have figured that out and can play around with it. It's incredibly easy to move things around. Yes. So, yeah. That's I think that's the thing is and I I remember um, you know years ago before modules um, when when that was a feature I remember thinking I really have to I really got to get into that and, <laughs> and and but kind of the same thing it's like once you've experienced um, using a module f again from the mm -hmm. student side it's like whoa I have to be able to to create this yeah. because it's just too easy not to it is. Uh, and it's so helpful and, and I love that like you're saying you can you can just tell tell a student, oh, you were absent on mm -hmm. this date. Check out that date. There is a module there for you. Yes. Step by step, all you do the things, you read the things, you click next. Yes, it's super simple, yes. uh, and, and I, I I love that. In fact, I've just I've gone through a couple of courses as a student that way, and it's just like it's shocking how easy it is. Um, so I, I dig that a lot. And you said your first point uh, about communication in the messaging. 
Um, now, for listeners who are in warm climates or maybe in very cold climates where you, you guys know how to clear roads efficiently, <laughs> uh, here in Indiana, uh, we have e-learning days, uh, inclement weather days. And what that means is we can't go to school because of weather. And so uh, we will oftentimes, if we're snowed in or iced or cold, or uh, I, we've even had fog days mm-hmm. um, here. So whatever the case may be, we'll have an e-learning day, which means that we're going to deliver all of our content to students uh, digitally, either with Google Classroom or in our grades 6 through 12 with Canvas. And so in those cases, we've done a lot of work here in our district about how do you design content for kids that's going to make sense to them, that's going to work on most devices, all of those concerns. And one of the big things here in our, in our area is you can't fail to be available to your kids just because your kids are spread out in all of their homes and not in your classroom. And so when, when Amanda's talking about I show the kids the messaging feature, I make sure they know how to use it because I need them to get a hold of me if they need to get a hold of me. That is a huge element of what we talk about really statewide, is that if this is going to be an authentic learning experience for kids, you can't just create a module and send it and say, do it. Because what is that? If it's not done right, it's a digital packet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's no more than that. Exactly. And so when you're designing your module, you're doing some other things. You talked about having discussions. You talked about having uh, video, maybe using studio. Mm-hmm. So you have all of these elements playing, you know, wonderfully together in a module. But then you're also uh, providing, giving your, giving your time for kids to have questions. And that's like the ultimate recipe of, of what we believe is, is good uh, online learning for our case during those those weather days um but all that stuff still works in the classroom too that's that's the great miracle of it it is all of that stuff can still translate that's that's just doing it properly (laughs) so i I love that so we got messaging and we've got modules yes yes and then what's the the third the third one oh geez well, do you okay. have a third? Well, I don't know because the modules incorporate so much so of much. it. I, I do really love the video, the new studio thing. Mm-hmm. That That's brand new yep. for us. Yep. Um, but I do love it. In fact, we here use the Pivot platform, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I teach sophomores, and so they be, do the big test right. at the end of the year. Um, and so I have found as I'm teaching like the rhetorical devices and things like that, um, look, a lot of that just doesn't translate very well. For a lot of students, it's it's too dry of a reading. It's they won't do it. So what I found is I can usually find video of those speeches. And mm-hmm. so what I can do is I can go in and I can download the video into Studio, and then I can insert the questions in it. And they're still learning, right? right. They're still figuring out that process. It's just in a different way. It's in a visual way. And they're so visual. Yes. So I do love that. And it forces them, right? Right. Because I don't show them where the questions are going to be. Hide the markers. I hide the questions. Hide the markers. Which they kind of hate me for, but, (laughs) you know, that's all right. And then they just watch the video, listen to the video, right? And then they get the question. And so I do really like that. I've done quite a few quizzes that way. And I think that's nice, too, 
for e-learning days. Totally, you totally. Uh, yeah, we we love we love Studio, um, and, and I'm glad that you're using it. And, and we're, we're in our district. We're continuing to. I, I'm trying to get folks like Amanda to to latch on, and then you know go tell somebody how awesome it is. <laughs> um, and, and I'm you know creating some content for it. But it, like you said, it's so easy to do. Yeah. Um, and, and again. The content you're you're very likely to find quality content that you can vet and know that this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can dump that in there. You can build in your questions as heat checks. Yeah. Um, you know, as it stands, I think it's probably best as a uh, as an enrichment sort of thing. Maybe mm-hmm. not so much as assessment. You know, right. certainly you can make a quiz and and grade it and all the things. But uh, I just love that you can take a. a a, a concept, a topic, you can put media in there, which immediately expands the audience, Yes. right? Every kid in your classroom, every sophomore, 16, 17-year-old kid is not going to necessarily be a strong reader. We're at all sorts of levels. Right. So you give them the reading, you give them the visual, mm-hmm. you give them the audio. Now we've got all of our learners and we, you know, we can include all of those types of kids. Right. Um, and, and you talked about e-learning having all this this huge list of instructions. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly what I did for years. Terrible, terrible. Oh, me guilty. too. Me too. Yeah. And and it wasn't until I learned how to better use Canvas yeah. and and things like modules where I was like, oh wait, I've been doing this wrong for so long. Um, and so when you when you're talking about studio, you're talking about modules, you're talking about communicate. You've got the to me the right ingredients for for online uh, instruction. Um, because they're hearing your voice. They're seeing your face if you choose to. They are getting media. They are getting all of the things that are going to stimulate um, those those brains when they're not in their comfortable learning place. Right. You know, um, and that's what we talk about that a, a lot in our district is, you know, when a kid is at home, that's not where they're accustomed to learning. Right. And frankly, that's an environment that may not be conducive to learning. Um, the best environment we can give them is our classroom for learning. And so when we're creating something for them at home, um, we're wanting to make it as functional, as comfortable, as much like what they would, what they would get in, in, in the classroom as possible. Um, and, and oftentimes even better, Yeah, even better. Um, so I, I love that, that your, your canvas backpack is like the top three things that I think are important um, when we're when we're doing this kind of thing. So, uh, note to note to the listeners, um, pretty awesome stuff. Well, I want to thank you for for uh, you know sitting down and talking to us and give the listeners out there a real chance to hear some of the sort of the in the, in the trenches approach to using Canvas. So, okay. thank you so much. Well, thank you.